All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to yet another episode of Easy Street Sports. It is just me again today, but we're going to do all right. So just this last week, again, more quarterbacks on the move. First one to talk about today is Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson was traded to the Cleveland Browns for three first-round picks, a 2023 third-round pick, and a 2024 fourth-round pick. So now we have Deshaun Watson, who hasn't played in a few years. He's back in football form. He's back to the game. He's finally back to a team. Um, He's out of the Texans organization, and now he is in Cleveland with the Browns. Now, we're going to get into that decision here in just a little bit, but I think the, the, the bigger question on my end is, what does that mean now for Baker Mayfield? Um, I know last year he was fighting a lot of injuries, and their record wasn't too, gr- too great, and he had so- shoulder surgery right at the end of the season. And the coaching staff made it clear that he was the number one quarterback going into next year. They were going to put all their chips in on Baker Mayfield next year. And and that was going to be their future, at least until next year. Then, without letting anyone know, especially letting Baker Mayfield know, they seek out and acquire Deshaun Watson. So, now, with Deshaun Watson in Cleveland... Now Baker Mayfield needs to find a home because I don't think he should be utilized as a backup in Cleveland. And so I think the two places that Baker Mayfield should go, or at least these two teams should be in contention to get him in the near future before this upcoming season, and that is the Seattle Seahawks and the Carolina Panthers. Now, those two teams come to mind specifically because... In terms of Seattle, they were in the news last week where they traded Russell Wilson to Denver for a pretty hefty package. And, of course, I think in terms of Denver, that was a phenomenal trade in in their department. Um, I think Russell Wilson was an, a super complete upgrade at the quarterback position in every sense of the word. So I definitely think that they benefited a lot from that trade. But now the issue falls back with Seattle where okay they, they might they might have gotten some draft picks, they might have gotten some good players on the offensive side of the ball, but now they've taken a serious hit to their quarterback position. And now they have Drew Locke, who I believe is a tier three quarterback. So they now have two options in my opinion. They can either find a quarterback in the draft, in this upcoming draft which I've talked about in the past and we'll talk about it more in future episodes. But uh, I don't think that this draft class has a phenomenal game-changing quarterback. Um, I know there's a lot of noise around Malik Willis specifically and Kenny Pickett, and I know there are a few other quarterbacks out there, um, but... And, and we'll, we'll talk about Malik Willis here soon. I want to talk about him today as well. But either way, I don't think that that's their best option in terms of finding the next Tier 1 quarterback to lead this team. 
So that brings me to Baker Mayfield. I would say again, he's he's more on the bubble. I know his his record is is a little early, but uh, we've seen that he's been able to take Cleveland and elevate them in terms of winning from four to five games to his highest his ceiling as of right now, which was eleven games in Cleveland. So again, this past year, I think people forgot that he was fighting. A multitude of injuries, including a, sh- a shoulder injury, which of course obviously makes it difficult to play that position. So I think they they had faith in him in that year when they they lost to the Chiefs in the divisional round. But then I feel like as soon as he got injured and he was fighting those injuries all year, that all of the the hard work that he had done had gone out the window, and I just flat out don't agree with that. So I would say that. In terms of a character that is going to be the face of a franchise, is going to give you good numbers in terms of offense, is going to have that moxie on the field, I definitely think that Baker Mayfield should be considered as a quarterback in Seattle. Because if you look at some other teams like Pittsburgh, they they got Mitch Trubisky. Um, the Falcons have Marcus Mariota. Um, I, I would say that those are tier two quarterbacks, Jameis Winston is with the Saints. If those tier two quarterbacks can land jobs, land starting positions, starting roles at those teams, then I I would take, again, in terms, if I had to pick between Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, Mitch Trubisky, and Baker Mayfield, I would take Baker Mayfield above all four of those because I feel that Baker Mayfield... Not, not not just his, I believe, his elevated ability on the field. I think he has more talent than those other guys. I think his level of moxie on the field is going to help him in that regard also. So if those three, Mitch Trubisky, Jameis Winston, and Marcus Mariota, if they can land jobs, starting positions in those teams, then I think Baker Mayfield should definitely be considered as a very, very good option in terms of quarterback. So with Seattle in the position that they're in with Drew Locke, there there aren't many quarterbacks on the market that are at the same caliber as a Baker Mayfield. Or maybe you can put the name in of Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't feel that, that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to give the same amount of moxie that Baker Mayfield is. So I, I again I think that especially with the direction that that division is going, um, the Cardinals have Kyler Murray, and I think the Cardinals next year are going to produce similar to what they had. They're going to look really well. They're going to win their first, you know, they're probably going to win eight or nine of their first nine or ten games, and then in the back half they're going to lose about five of the seven. So. I don't think the Cardinals are going to be much of a threat beyond the, the playoffs. They, they've, they've always kind of folded near the, the, the second half of the season. And I hope that that's not the case because I really like Kyler Murray, but that's a little side note. So I don't think the, the, the Cardinals are, are in any position to win the division. I think with San Francisco, I, I really don't know what they're going to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I think they're trying to get a lot out of him. I think they're trying to squeeze a lot of... 
value out of him from other teams to try to get a lot of draft picks, but I think if they're either, they either need to keep him or they need to sit him and start playing Trey Lance. I mean, they're they're, they're starting to play chicken a little bit, chicken with um with Jimmy Garoppolo, especially when there were blatant talks of this season ending. Their goal was to trade him and start to run Trey Lance in that quarterback position. And when you bring in a young guy like that who is rookie or his sophomore year in the NFL, there's there's always a bit of a learning curve. So I don't think that they're quite ready to, to win the division. Uh, I think they're stepping in the right direction, the, the 49ers. But again, the, this, this whole situation with Jimmy Garoppolo, um, I, I, I'm not... They're, they're, their intentions are kind of cloudy. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure what they're going to do with him in terms of trading Garoppolo, but so I don't think they're in contention to win the division just yet, especially with, again, with that quarterback situation being hammered out there. And then you have the Rams who are, who just signed Matthew Stafford to a very large extension, a four year, $160 million. So that's a pretty penny. So they're definitely banking on Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay continuing to uh, find a large amount of success with the Rams franchise. And I I think that's a great idea. My only concern is that if they're paying him that much, then they might have trouble holding on to other players in L.A. Um, just for example, Vaughn Miller ended up going to the Bills, which in that little side note is a phenomenal move in terms of the Bills franchise. But... I know that um, the Rams are looking to, to keep OBJ and a few of their other players. So, other than that, I think that I think Seattle has been a pretty good contender in that division. But with Drew Locke, they're not going to be anywhere near what they need to be in terms of production in order to go toe to toe with the Rams the Cardinals, or even the 49ers, who might be in a short, kind of soft reboot with Trey Lance. So, again, I, Drew Locke, at the end of the day, Drew Locke is not the answer in terms of the quarterback position. He doesn't have the talent that you see in Tier 2 and Tier 1 quarterbacks. And with Baker Mayfield being on the bubble, you know, leaning towards a Tier 1 when he's healthy, I, I, I really think, especially with all the pieces they just grabbed, uh, the, the the Seahawks did with that trade with the Broncos. I, I really feel like they should be at least having conversations with or about Baker Mayfield in that in those in their building because it I, I really feel like that would be a good idea in their case because again I, I don't think the draft is going to pull anybody amazing this year in terms of quarterback so I really think that Baker Mayfield is their best bet so. And again, with now, the other team that, I, that I've been looking at is Carolina. We saw last year that they, they started with Sam Darnold. It, the season started off well, and then you just kind of saw this plummet in, in, in ability and just everybody was out of sync. And the whole Carolina organization just seemed eager and anxious to win now. And I think their roster supports that to to a healthy extent. But at the end of the day, Sam Darnold is not a tier one quarterback. I would argue that he's probably a tier three, 
maybe a tier two on one of his best days. And they, I mean, the the Carolina Panthers were at a point where they brought Cam Newton back. The, the Cam Newton that brought them to the Super Bowl in 2015. And we all know, we, we, we can watch the film, we can watch the games with Cam Newton with the Patriots a few years ago now, and we can now watch the, the film from Cam Newton when he got back to Carolina. He's not the answer either. So again, the Carolina Panthers, in terms of quarterback, they're in the same boat as the Seahawks. They both have a tier three quarterback behind center right now, and that is not going to get it done. It's as simple as that. It's simple It's simple math, really. I mean, the, 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 the two players, the two quarterbacks that they have in their building right now that's expected as of right now to be the starting quarterback next season, you're going to see tier three production, and you're, you're going to win maybe four or five games, and that'll be your season. So, again, Carolina's in the exact same boat. They need a guy to come down and be that franchise quarterback guy where when you think of Carolina, you think of their quarterback. And I think that Baker Mayfield, I mean, you, you, you can look at his numbers when he's healthy. When when he was with the 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 Browns back when they had that 11-5 season, the run game is good. When when Carolina Panthers have Christian McCaffrey and he's, he's healthy, then the Carolina Panthers are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And if they bring in Baker Mayfield, I think he's going to bring in the moxie that I think that can be coupled with Christian McCaffrey. And I I think they're going to do well there too. They probably won't win their division just because of Tom Brady unretiring, which in in its own right is phenomenal in terms of the Bucks organization. I mean, they couldn't have asked for a better gift. But again, I think too many people are sleeping on Baker Mayfield's ability. I think they... They saw that he was injured, and that that's a fair point. He was injured. He didn't have the the, the level of production that he usually does, and I, and I would agree. But to to say that he's done and that he's he's lost all of his talent and that he's washed up and that they're going to move off of him, I I don't think it, it was that extent. I talked earlier a few weeks ago now that I felt that the Browns should have held on to him for at least one more year. Or, yeah, one more season, and optimistically, I would have preferred two years minimum before they made a decision, but they made their decision, they grabbed Deshaun Watson, and uh, that's the direction that the Browns are going to go in. So, so again, I you have Seattle, and you have Carolina. Me, personally, I would rather see Baker Mayfield out in Seattle, because I feel that Carolina has... They're kind of in a tough position because Christian McCaffrey, I believe, is a phenomenal running back, but he's constantly injured. I mean, he's good for about five or six games, and that that that's it. And then he gets injured. And and then I'm not saying that's his fault. Uh, again, football is a very physical sport, and injuries are a, a natural aspect of the sport. But I just feel that he's injured way too often, and they're paying him way too much for being injured for you know, 11, 12, 13 games a season. So I would rather see him go to um, Seattle and work with Pete Carroll out there. Um, and I think that his moxie, again, if wherever he ends up going, 
Um, he, I think he's going to add value to the team right away, especially in terms of Carolina and Seattle with their current quarterbacks. No, I've also heard uh, another tangent. I've also heard that there's a potential rumor that um, Baker Mayfield might be going to the Lions because he provides that level of moxie that in its own way would mesh well with the Dan Campbell mindset, the Dan, the Gan, Dan Campbell philosophy that they're trying to build in Detroit, that hard-nosed, gritty, fight-for-every-yard um, uh, kind of backyard football where they're just going to be faking uh, field goals, faking punts, just to try to get every inch and to get every yard. And I think that in terms of what I would prefer, I would prefer Baker Mayfield over Jared Goff. But I also know that Jared Goff is going to be paid a pretty penny, $30 million, uh, this last year of his contract, unless they give him an extension. But as of right now, you're talking $30 million. And I would assume that Baker Mayfield would want to be paid. And I, I'm not sure what they're going to do with Jared Goff at this point. So would I like to see Baker Mayfield in Detroit? Sure. But do I think that's... A more realistic option as of right now it's very hard to tell um but i think as of right now his two best options in terms of who needs who who has a legitimate issue at the quarterback level where they need to address it immediately i would say that is the seahawks and the panthers Now back to the Deshaun Watson situation. If you want to make the argument that Deshaun Watson, talent-wise, is better than Baker Mayfield, sure. You can maybe make that argument. He might be faster. He might throw the ball a little better. It's hard for me to tell because Baker Mayfield was injured and he was battling a shoulder injury, which obviously makes it difficult to throw the football. And Deshaun Watson hasn't played in two years. So it's you're really kind of picking your poison there because it's it's hard to gauge where both of them are at. If if Deshaun Watson comes out and he is a gunslinger and he's just throwing the ball wherever he needs to, and the Browns win the division and make it to the playoffs, great. Then he proved me wrong and he elevated the Browns even further than where Baker Mayfield had them last year battling his injuries. Do I think that's going to happen? I, I It's very difficult for me to believe that the Browns are going to make a push for their division next season, especially with the Bengals improving their offensive line, which was the biggest issue they needed to address in the offseason, which we clearly saw in the Super Bowl with Joe Burrow uh, having... <laughs> Plenty of trouble with the defensive line for the Rams. So I think the Bengals are going to be moving in the right direction. My only concern with the Bengals is you have Joe Burrow, who has proven that he's a phenomenal quarterback, but he's also very young. And that can lead to inconsistency in his first few years, which again, I'm this, this I'm more so playing just devil's advocate at this point, but I'm I'm hoping and I'm I'm going to assume and I, I think I can bet pretty well that I think the Bengals will do just fine next season 
And I think they're going to be one of the main contenders to win their division next season. And then the other team would be the Ravens, who, again, I feel that if you look back at their season, they had three games where they scored a touchdown right at the end of of regulation, and they had the opportunity in every one of those games to kick the extra point and tie the game up and to send those games into overtime. I believe there were three games where they were in that position to where they could either go for the extra point and tie it up and send the game into overtime or take a two-point conversion and try to end the game right then and there at the near the end of regulation. And they chose the latter option, and in every single one of those situations, they ended up losing that game. So there's three extra losses potentially uh, of course if hypothetically if they went into overtime they still could have lost etc but best case scenario you could have added three wins to their win column and also Lamar Jackson was injured for a, 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 a small portion of the season and they brought in their backup quarterback who I thought did well enough on his own but Again, you ran into the same problem that Seattle did with Russell Wilson. When your starting quarterback is injured, he has to recover. So the game plan that the team is building over the week to prepare for their next opponent, they're not a part of that process as they get used to planning the game plan, working with his receivers, working with his, his skill players and his linemen. And then when he comes back, they're, they're slightly out of sync and that makes it difficult. But I think if Lamar Jackson is healthy, then the Ravens could also make a push for the the division. But again, Joe Burrow with the Bengals and Lamar Jackson with the Ravens, they've both been at their organizations for a few years now. And so the general process, the general game plan is is pretty similar. I mean, you're not going to see a huge change, and I think those two teams are going to be all right. With the Browns, Deshaun Watson hasn't played in two years. He's been dealing with a lot of personal issues, which fortunately now, um, the the way that those personal issues ended, he's now able to play again. So I'm not sure if he's still in the same physical and mental shape that he was in before. I'm going to assume that he is. Um, I'd be surprised if he's not. But again, when you're going to a new team, you have to learn their new game plan, learn their new offensive schemes. Create those relationships with your receivers, your running back, the, the the other skilled tight end players, the linemen. Work with the front office. Try to develop a rapport there. And then move into the season. So, again, more of a soft reboot. If, if he does well, if he plays at the caliber that he did back in Houston when they made it to the playoffs, great. I, I definitely think the potential is there, but it's hard to gauge where he's at talent-wise and and moxie and his ability to lead other players on the field and his ability to just to play the game it's I'm not trying to say that he's not good anymore but it's hard to tell because he hasn't been on the field in two years so it's hard to gauge where he's at physically mentally and just overall talent Um, I definitely think that once he gets back into the groove if he hasn't if if 
if he's only improved and his he's now in his prime, I think the Cleveland Browns are going to be a force to be reckoned with. But again, there's so many questions because we haven't seen him on the field in two year two years. So it's just very difficult to tell as of this point where they're going to be in terms of their division. And again, to my opening argument, I'm not I did not fully agree with the decision to pursue Deshaun Watson. If it pays off, great. Then I'm I'm glad I'm wrong and the Browns can move forward happy that they made the right decision. But for me, it was to me it's a very high risk, high reward decision to make. So back to the NFC West. Stafford was again given that huge extension, four years, 160 million. And I think he deserves every cent. What he ended up doing, um, being traded to the Rams from the Lions in that swap of quarterbacks, and he proved every naysayer wrong by his results last season. And me personally, I was one of those people that assumed that if, if they make it to the playoffs, then they will lose on the wild card. And they played a few games in the beginning of the season. This is, of course, last season now. And I believe either week three or four, the Rams played the Buccaneers. And I thought this is a, this is a great game to verify how good Stafford now is in terms of his ability to play with the Rams. And the Rams ended up winning that game. And that was when I first started to think, okay, he might have found an organization that that will legitimately utilize his talent effectively, especially in terms of a Tier 1 Super Bowl caliber coach in Sean McVay. Then, fast forward to the wildcard round. They're playing the Cardinals, and my initial thoughts were... I am going to assume that he's going to lose to the Cardinals. He has a record of 0-3 in the playoffs. He hasn't really shown that he's capable of winning winning those crunch time games, especially those playoff games. Um, I, I think he's going to be 0-4 in the playoffs. And he's going to go home kind of a, of a bittersweet, lackluster season, especially with the expectations that the Rams had, which I believed they, they had the expectation of, if we bring Stafford into our building, we're going to make it back to the Super Bowl. And now, hindsight knowing, they beat the Arizona Cardinals comfortably. And seeing that, that, that final score, that final score in that game, uh, right then and there, I knew... He's, he is, his talents are finally being utilized effectively. And I, the the rest of their playoff run, winning the Super Bowl, I was not surprised in the least. I only needed to watch that Arizona game for me to know that he is now going to make a difference and he is now keeping the Rams at that Super Bowl caliber level. And I, I would bet money tomorrow that they are, 99, 95%, they're going to win their division again. Now, the one thing with the Rams is that they need to make sure that they're not losing people by paying him too much. Uh, again, you can we can get into the paying quarterbacks and Tom Brady taking pay cuts and these other quarterbacks taking large 
you know, heavy money extensions. But at the end of the day, the Rams have the coach. They have the quarterback. They need to make sure that they're retaining players like Odell Beckham and Vaughn Miller, who, again, Vaughn Miller is now with the Bills. So they need to make sure that they retain as much talent as possible and find new talent in the draft. I think that's their main priority right now. If they lose too much of that, then it might be an, it might be a problem. I still think they're just fine to win their division, but they need to retain Aaron Donald. They need to make sure that he's not retiring. Although if if he chooses to retire, I I would understand entirely. But um, I'm hoping that he stays with the Rams, and I'm hoping that Odell Beckham stays with the Rams. So, but in terms of keeping Stafford in L.A. Probably the best decision they could make, and for good reason. I, I'm not surprised by their decision at all. Now to the third quarterback of topics today. Matt Ryan was traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a third-round pick. Now, just in terms of the trade, I would have thought that Matt Ryan might have been valued a little higher. But uh, if that's the trade that they decided to make, then uh, in hindsight, I, I guess they felt that was worth the the similar amount or the similar value that they felt Matt Ryan was worth. But uh, that's more of a personal point in terms of just draft picks. But the big point is Matt Ryan, who I believe is, is a... A, a decent tier two quarterback. I know he had that season in Atlanta where they made it to the Super Bowl, but I felt that other than that season, which to me was was I don't want to say it was it was lucky, but I think it was they were firing all sil- on all cylinders. The team was very in sync, and they they showed a high level of play in terms of of their coach of their offensive coaching, propelling them to that point. But I think on an average year, it, where the the Falcons are playing at their average level, Matt Ryan will get you eight wins, some record near 500, and at the end of the day, he's a Tier 2 quarterback. Now, in terms of upgrading from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan, or some people may say that Carson Wentz is an upgrade from Matt Ryan if roles were reversed, I still feel that Matt Ryan is not going to be a substantial difference between how Carson Wentz played. I do think that Carson Wentz, um, I think, failed the organization just in terms of the expectations that they had going into the playoffs. I think a lot of people had them as their dark horse in the playoffs last season. I think their running back was on fire he was so hot and he 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 was winning games for them i i personally went and saw the game right after thanksgiving where the bucks came up and watched or they they came up and played the colts in indianapolis and they were red hot i mean the colts were a force to be reckoned with and and that game right there proved that their offense was on fire and and they had every possible way of getting to the playoffs and they were looking well they i mean they again they were they were red hot 
and they were they were winning games and they were making a push at the end and their final game of the season the Jacksonville Jaguars the worst team in the NFL last season for obvious reasons blatant coaching issues and just a, an overall just botched Urban Meyer experiment and the Colts as hot as they were at the end of the season, could not get it done. And if you want to attribute that to their running back not doing well, or the coaching kind of laying an egg, or Carson Wentz not playing well, at the end of the day, (coughs) a lot of that blame should be in the direction of Carson Wentz and the coaching. I'm not trying to put too much blame on anybody but I'm saying when you're projected to win when you're projected to be a dark horse in the playoffs you can't lose to Jacksonville especially in the state that they're in that they were in at that point I know that in the NFL anybody can beat anybody and it was a phenomenal game but in terms of expectations it was wildly disappointing for the Colts to lose that game. So with Carson Wentz going to Washington and Matt Ryan now going to the Colts, okay, that that is that's a decision that they chose to go. Both, both organizations, the Commanders and the Colts and the Falcons, who, um, little side note, they signed Marcus Mariota, who I would I would have kept... Matt Ryan over Marcus Mariota, but again, a lot of these tier two quarterback decisions are kind of a head scratcher. Not quite sure what direction they believe they're going to be moving in. I know there's a lot of optimism around Marcus Mariota, optimism around Carson Wentz, optimism around Matt Ryan, and I think they all can play. I think they have plenty of talent, but it's there's a level of moxie that these guys need to have that I don't feel that they do. And that's what separates a Tom Brady, or that's what separates a Joe Burrow, or that's what separates an Aaron Rodgers, or a Russell Wilson, or a Patrick Mahomes, or a Josh Allen. All of those quarterbacks have this level of moxie, of this level of confidence that that's contagious, and the, the players around them really ingratiate into their own work and you just see those teams, naturally, they're better. They're, they're winning their division. They're winning playoff games. And unfortunately, I don't think that Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, and Marcus Mariota have that moxie. I think they're good. I think they have plenty of talent. I think they're great quarterbacks. But I don't think that to pursue as an organization, to get rid of a Tier 2 quarterback just to acquire another one, that's 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 difficult to gauge what their expectations are in terms of that trade. So, and again, I think back to his value being placed at a third-round pick. I'm not quite sure if the Colts are going to be in contention for the the Super Bowl. Now, in terms of their division. I think the Texans, as of right now, are not in contention. They just got rid of Deshaun Watson, who, of course, didn't want to be there anymore. But I think the Texans are not 
near uh, the capability to win their division. So I would count them out. The Jaguars now have to reset. I think a hard reset or a hard reboot because the Urban Meyer experiment fell or failed and they still have Trevor Lawrence, which is a positive. I know they're signing a lot of players in free agency, so they're obviously trying to make a push. But with this new coach now in place, I, I still think that there's going to be a new learning curve now with a new coach, a new regime, a new offensive game plan. So I don't think they're in contention either. So now that just leaves the Colts and the Titans. Now, in terms of coaching, I would give the Titans the nod. In terms of quarterback, I would probably take Matt Ryan over Tannehill. So I will give the Colts the nod. And then in terms of their running back and their defense, as based on how they did last year or last season, I would have to lean in terms of the Titans. But I do feel that Matt Ryan is an improvement, or not an improvement, I believe he is better than Ryan Tannehill. So it's going to be difficult to tell because there's not a large margin of difference in terms of their on-field ability to win games. So I'm, I, I see either the Colts winning their division, but I'm leaning more towards the Titans again, especially with Derrick Henry. Um, but again, it's it's there's not a clear separation in their range of ability or their range of talent. So uh, again, I, I think that giving the Colts Matt Ryan or, or, or Matt Ryan being traded to the Colts uh, specifically, uh, again, I... I it's just it's hard to gauge when you've got tier two quarterbacks battling tier two quarterbacks. So I think it'll just come down to individual games, individual plays. But I think that the Colts, if they did improve, it was a slight improvement from Carson Wentz. But they can't be getting into this revolving door of tier two quarterbacks. I think in the near future they need to look to the draft to find their next guy. Now we're going to take a look away from the NFL quarterbacks, and now we're going to get into a quarterback in the NFL draft who I feel is getting attention for his ability. But what concerns me is how much attention he's getting and what that means for these first few teams in the draft. And I'm talking about Malik Willis out of Liberty. Now, I voiced my opinion before. I feel that, yes, there's not a designated quarterback university where quarterbacks who are trained at those schools generally transfer very, very well to the NFL. But I feel that there's always this conversation about his arm being massive and, and his his arm strength is off the charts and he's making these 70-yard throws. Or not 70, but he's making these in very, very long throws that are very accurate. And 
that's all well and good, but there's always quarterbacks every NFL draft. There are always quarterbacks that have phenomenal arm strength. They can throw the ball a mile, and the, there's always talks of those players. And do is is there the possibility that Malik Willis will be good? Sure. I, I, I always try to be a little optimistic with who they're taking out of the draft um, because I, I want these players to hit. I mean, you're, you're, you're trying to pull players to or you're trying to pull players from college to make them these phenomenal athletes in the National Football League. These professional athletes are just, talent-wise, are just incredible. So there's there's definitely, I have definite optimism that Malik Willis will do well, but I the amount of airtime, the amount of limelight that he's getting, the amount of attention that he's getting, it's concerning. Because there's so much attention. There's this constant talk of he's being taken at number two for, for months when it was believed that Aiden Hutchinson was going to be taken by the by the Lions. And now in almost every mock draft that I can find, Detroit's taking Malik Willis. And I think in terms of Detroit, when you take a quarterback... In the first round of the draft, especially in the top five or the top three in the draft, when you take a quarterback at that draft pick, the clock starts immediately for that coach. Meaning, when you take a quarterback that high, you are expecting, or you are you are basically saying to everyone in the NFL, my roster's ready. I'm just a quarterback away, and I'm making a push for the Super Bowl. That's basically what the Rams did. They they sold the farm, got rid of their draft picks, moved a lot of capital, they grabbed Stafford, and the rest is history. They made it to the Super Bowl. And especially with Sean McVay, the last few seasons showing a lot of trouble with the, the 49ers, losing, I believe, six in a row. There, he, I don't believe he was on the hot seat to get fired. I, I wouldn't have gotten that far. But there was definitely a conversation. There were definitely conversations starting to develop that maybe Sean McVay has lost his touch since he went to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. Maybe he's not the Super Bowl caliber coach that he was in the past. But they they moved that capital. They moved their draft picks. They, they traded Goff and they acquired Matthew Stafford. And that's a perfect example of the of a team being just a quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl. The Lions are not in the same position. They had their their last season. They won three games. You saw a lot of aggressiveness. You saw a contagious attitude on the defense that was just brimming with tenacity. And I think that that's a great addition or a great aspect of the philosophy and the the overall atmosphere that Dan Campbell is trying to build in Detroit. And I think next season, when they acquire some players in the draft, I think that the Lions are definitely going to improve. And I'm not saying by winning a few extra games. I definitely think that we're going to see a a heavy change, a, a healthy change in terms of the production that Detroit can produce or that that they can create next season 
However, that has to happen by not taking a quarterback at number two. They have the number two overall pick and the 32nd overall pick. I have zero problem, zero issues if they take a quarterback at number 32. Because when you take them that late in the first round, that indicates we think there's probably some potential here, but we know that we're not quite ready. There's one more year where we need to build this roster, develop our game plan, develop our identity as a team before we can acquire a quarterback that early in the draft and make our statement to the NFL that we're headed to the playoffs, we're headed to win our division, we're headed to the Super Bowl. If the Lions take Malik Willis at number two, then the doomsday clock for Dan Campbell and the general manager, Brad Holmes, they start their doomsday clock if they take Malik Willis at number two. I, 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 will, I will bet money right now. Because if they take Malik Willis at number two, and they let Aiden Hutchinson go, and they let Kayvon Thibodeau, Thibodeau go, and those two defensive linemen elevate their respective teams that take them, there's going to be a lot of issues in Detroit. And I think a great example of what I'm talking about is when the Lions had the potential to draft Aaron Donald. I'll say it again. The Lions had the opportunity to draft Aaron Donald, the defensive lineman who is with the Rams right now, who basically won them that Super Bowl in that final defensive play where, where Joe Burrow tried to scramble and, and throw the ball to Jamar Chase. He ended up disrupting that play, and he won them that Super Bowl. The Lions had the opportunity to draft Aaron Donald, and they drafted Eric Ebron. They drafted a tight end. They drafted an offensive player in a draft class where the defensive players were game changers immediately, Super Bowl caliber defensive players. And I think that story is a perfect example of this draft class also. There are a heavy amount of defensive players in terms of defensive linemen, edge rushers, safeties, linebackers, that Detroit should be pursuing before they pursue a quarterback. Because I think next season, if I'm going to compare hypothetically in the future, if I'm going to take this upcoming draft class in April versus next year's draft class, I would take the quarterbacks next year versus this upcoming April. Because, again, Malik Willis, out of liberty, making big throws... At his pro day, his performance, it, that's not enough for me to gauge that he's the next quarterback. Especially when Detroit is not ready to foster that kind of player that early in the draft. When you take somebody that early in the draft, when you take somebody in the top three, they should start on your team immediately. They, they, they should, you should draft them, and they should be starting Week one, 
it's it's there that's no other possibility is out there that is the plan and should be the plan if you take somebody that early but the lions are already taking or they're already paying jared goff 30 million next year with his contract they and their and their team is not ready there's not enough talent on the team to take a quarterback who's expected whose expected task is to bring this team to win the division and to win in the playoffs and ideally win the Super Bowl. Detroit is not ready. They're not ready. They need one more year of developing Dan Campbell's philosophy to build the the identity that he wants to build in Detroit. And I think that their direction should be in terms of defense. If they if Malik Willis for whatever reason falls to them at 32, they need to take they need to take Malik Willis at 32. I can I can agree to that and I will support that decision. Again, I also want to make a side note that if they decide to take Malik Willis at number 2, I will not agree with it. But I will at least give the general manager and Dan Campbell the benefit of the doubt that they know what they're doing, especially when last year, when they took Panay Sewell at 7, and again, taking an offensive lineman is never a flashy pick, but it was necessary for the team. You saw an instant improvement in their offensive line, and I think it was a great pick. So that showed that they know what they were doing in terms of taking somebody in the first round to address concerns that they have on their team. Okay, not a problem with that at all. They've also shown that when they took Amon Ross St. Brown in the uh, Amon Ross St. Brown in the fourth round, that they are capable of finding talent deep in the draft, finding players like Amon Ross St. Brown where some teams might have overlooked him. Whereas now, I feel a lot of players would have picked him up if they would have known what production he would have had, especially in the Lions organization. So if they decide to take Malik Willis at number two, I will definitely not agree with the decision. But I will give them the benefit of the doubt into the season so they can prove me wrong and I hope that they do if they decide to take him at, at the second pick. I, I hope that he is the guy that they are looking to move the team forward with. But in my opinion, if Jacksonville decides to take somebody else other than Aiden Hutchinson, Detroit should take Aiden Hutchinson at number two. If Aiden Hutchinson is taken by the Jaguars at number one, then the Lions need to take Kayvon Thibodeau. They need to take an edge rusher because that is one of the main pieces that they need to address. And the Rams are a clear example of why that position is so important. And when you have players that are as good as that in the draft, you can't pass those up for a quarterback coming out of a college that not many people know where it is. Not many people have even heard of Liberty before Malik Willis is now on since he's been on the radar. So again, I feel that Malik Willis is getting 
an excessive amount of attention. And I'm not sure if this is a game plan to try to coax other teams to trade up to take him. There's also Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh who might potentially be on the map, who in this mock draft is predict predicted to go number third overall to the Falcons. Then you have the Jets who had take the fourth pick, the Giants with the fifth, the Panthers with the sixth, and then the Giants again with the seventh, and then the Houston Texans with the eighth, and then the Seattle Seahawks with the ninth. Plenty, the Seahawks, the Texans, the Giants, and the Panthers, and the Falcons, With even though they have Marcus Mariota, all of those teams need an upgrade at the quarterback position. Now, does Detroit need an upgrade from a Tier 2? I would like to see it, but... I would rather take a Baker Mayfield over a Malik Willis. If if I had those two options, I would take Baker Mayfield over waiting for the draft and taking a Malik Willis at number two. I just feel that he's getting way too much attention and they're putting a lot of stock in his pro day performance. And I really, really, really hope that the Lions understand that they're not ready to take a quarterback this early. They're going to put the doomsday clock on Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes. And if if Malik Willis doesn't hit at number two, they won't be here for much longer. And I think that the amount of optimism that Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes have brought to this organization, they need to continue to build that confidence and to build that identity that they're, that they're developing in Detroit. And I think that's the, the, the best case scenario for the Detroit Lions right now is to keep Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes. And in order to keep those two, they need to agree that they should not take Malik Willis at number two. They, they absolutely should not take Malik Willis at number two. All right. Thanks for listening.